We are within the final couple of weeks of the end of the year, and I'd like to ask each of you a question. How many of you remembered the first Sunday last year and some of the things that you promised God you would do? No hands raised. You either have the worst of one, one. You either have the worst memories or you don't want to admit it as to what you may have said. It is interesting. How many of you would say that I had plans at the beginning of the year, but having lived through this year, the plans that I had were vastic, drastically changed due to the circumstances that I faced? How many would raise a hand for that? Hands all over the place. You see, we experience... Now, now, now let me ask you this. How many of you would say that there have been disappointments this year, things that you didn't expect? A lot more hands gone up. You're starting to get into it now, aren't you? <clears throat> How many of you are looking forward to lunch? Let me see your hands. More and more. By the time I get to the end of this message, I'm going to have everybody participating. That's the goal when we come is that there will be 100% participation. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about Christmas, my plans and His purpose, my plans and His purpose. And I actually want to talk to you today a little bit about how do we handle the disappointments that come from the way that we plan things and the way that they turn out. It could be today that you're sitting here and you say, you know, I have raised my kids to the best of my ability, and now that they have reached an age where they can start to make their own decisions, I'm, I'm really disappointed in the way that they are deciding some things. It's upsetting to me. It might be that there are some things that you planned this past year, and you're sitting here today and you're, you're going, I do not know what happened, but that didn't turn out at all like what I had anticipated. It might be that throughout this past year you had dreams of having a great marriage one day and, and you didn't plan on being single. Or maybe you're married and you said, you know what, my marriage is not looking like what I had planned it to look like and, and it's a drastic change from what I had hoped. Maybe today, and whether you are here in this building or whether you're watching us online, you would say, I had plans and it didn't include battling depression this year. It didn't include being loaded down with anxieties. Maybe you didn't plan a Christmas to be so far away from all of your family members and friends and loved ones. Or, or maybe as you look back on this year, you would say, you know what, I had plans this year and it didn't include having the doctor discover that I have cancer. It didn't include discovering that I have a sickness that I have been battling. Because when those disappointments come, we who are believers oftentimes can get disappointed with God. We're going, God, this is not what I thought was going to happen. What are you going to do when the real life that you live brings you disappointment and it's different than what you had planned? And today I would like to go back to the Christmas story, having set it up with that, and ask that you would turn to Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading out of the American Standard Version. But I want just to give you a context of this. It has been 400 years between the end of the Old Testament the beginning of the new. Now, I don't know about you, but if I go four days and I haven't heard something from God, I'm knocking on the door going, where are you? You know, I don't intend to go through my life without being able to hear from you. Can you imagine a 400 years silence that takes place? And then we get to Luke chapter 2, and I'll be reading the first 19 verses when it says, now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own town. 
Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all of the people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby, the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly army of angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom He is pleased. When the angels departed from them into heaven, the shepherd began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen him, they made known the statement which would, had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed about the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. How many of you are ready for some good news today? Good news today. What I love about this story is that if we had needed advice, God would have sent a counselor. If we had needed different laws, God would have sent a politician. If we had needed education, God would have sent a teacher. But we needed forgiveness and we needed hope, and we needed healing. So God sent a Savior. And I don't know what you think about when you wonder sometimes about what God is doing, but there are moments in our life when we have a plan, and we think that, God, the best way for you to accomplish this is to do exactly what I want here, and then you discover that God has something different. And there are moments that each of us in honesty would have to say, I have been disappointed in God's plan from time to time. And that is not blasphemous and it doesn't scare God because He understands us and He knows what we think and He knows how we do things. But how many of you have ever been disappointed in the way God did something in your life to make you step back and go, I don't know what's going on, but this was not my plan? Well, then today I want to share you, with you a story that I think will add some clarity to that. Would you bow your heads? Father, I pray over these next few moments that You would pour Your Spirit upon the truth of Your Word so that many people who are hurting, those who feel as if they are bobbing in the wake of other people's ambition, those who feel as if the plans that they had made have been destroyed, that they would find comfort in the good news of Your power and comfort in Your presence. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you a gut-wrenching story 
that maybe you as a Christian or maybe if you're not a Christian here today, that you probably have heard a thousand times and you're familiar with it. And, and I'm going to ask you to look at it through new eyes with me today about a young couple that navigates feelings of betrayal and deceit and relational devastation. And I don't want you to hear this story as if you've heard it all before and, and you fit this thing into the way that your mind has perceived it, but I want you to, to hear it today in a brand new way because I think it will apply very well to our own lives. And we're going to watch this young couple, Mary and Joseph, that are completely misunderstood by their peers. They are unfairly criticized. They are hated. They are shamed and they are humiliated. They face a difficult an untimely journey, forced by a traumatic birth experience, then forced into a nightmare scenario of running as fugitives, trying to protect the life of their son from a jealous Herod. And all of this trouble and all of this disappointment, listen to me, is because they were trying to do what God wanted them to do. They were trying to do what God wanted them to do. And so today I would like to modernize this story just a bit. And for those of you that are, that, that, give me a little attitude. Just, this is not blasphemous. I asked the first service and at the end of the service they said it wasn't. So, so I've, I've already run it by a congregation. But, but I would like to modernize the story just a little bit because I think it will help us understand the circumstances and better able to apply it to our own lives. So let me tell you the story as if it happened today. Imagine that Joe has a perfect proposal planned for Mary. I mean, this young man has been working on this for weeks ever since he saw her and knew in his heart, this is the one for me. And so he, he goes and he spends everything he's got and he buys the ring. And now that he's got the ring, I mean, it's like burning a hole in his pocket. He's, he's beginning to put things together. And so he begins to, you know, in conversations with Mary, begins to figure out what she wants. And so he comes to the conclusion that what she would really like in all of this is a sunset proposal on the Bethlehem Bridge. It's, it's going to be nice. And so I need to look ahead in the weather to make sure that the evening that I'm planning this, there's actually going to be a sunset that would take place. And, and then he begins to gather some of his friends together and said, you know, I need somebody there with a camera or a video camera or your cell phone that you can record this momentous moment as it's beginning to take place. Now, Mary during this time is rather intuitive. She's not a dumb girl. And she begins to recognize for a few days that Joe is getting a little nervous. I mean, his answers are quick and short, and, you know, he keeps saying, hey, what's your schedule look like? And, and because she's not naive, she begins to think in her mind, I know that this man loves me, and, and, you know, we've started to talk a little bit about a future. So she does what any expectant individual might do, in, 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 a young lady. She goes and gets her nails done. It's natural. For those of you that are dating, guys, if you wonder what she's thinking, if she's getting her nails done, just throwing that out there. So her nails are all looking really nice, and, and uh, the day comes, and he says, hey, would you like to take a walk with me? Let's, let's just go for a walk on the bridge. And so they make out to the bridge, and they get there, and suddenly in the middle of the bridge, he falls down on one knee. He takes her by the hand and he looks at this beautiful teenage girl and he said, there's nothing in my life that I would desire more 
than for you to trust me enough with your life that you would let me live it with you in partnership as your husband. Now, again, she's already got her nails done, so she has practiced this in front of the mirror a thousand times. You like my nails? <laughs> she had no idea that this was coming. I mean, it's, it's within minutes after that that there are images of the proposal that start popping up on her Instagram. She has a record number of likes and hearts. And, and she, you know, once this is over, he's expecting to have a nice evening. And she goes, thank you so much. I need to run off and leave you so I can go show all my friends my ring. And leaves him standing on the bridge as she runs off to show off everything. In fact, it reminded me of a story of a young lady that just recently got engaged. And she came to church and nobody was noticing her ring. So she said, oh my, it's hot in here. I better take off my new engagement ring. Just so everybody know. So... So here is Mary, newly engaged, incredibly excited, and the next day they sit down together and they begin to make some big plans. They're going to get married in May. They're picking out invitations. She's starting to pick out registry in the best stores because she knows what she wants and she knows where she wants it from. And so she picks all these things out, and Joe was tasked with planning the honeymoon, and he's got this all-inclusive resort in Rome that he's picked out. And they start sitting down together to budget together for the very first time as to what life will look like. And, you know, Joe, how much money do you make, and what is your credit score? <laughs> and they begin to discover that Joe has some student loans for trade school. And... <laughs> It's in the Bible, you just don't see it. <laughs> and as they begin to look at that, they begin to make some plans and begin to think, okay, here's what we're going to need to do. Let's plan to live in a one-bedroom apartment for two years, and then we will save enough money to pay off your school bill, and then, having done that, because you're a carpenter, Joe, we can buy a fixer-upper. We know the neighborhood we want. Let's buy the worst house in a good neighborhood. And then you and I together, Joe, I'll pick out the colors and I'll tell you what it's going to look like on the inside and you do all the work. <laughs> and this house will be gorgeous. And Joe begins to recognize just how much of his life he has given away. <laughs> and then they begin to talk about, you know, here's the way that this is going to look. In two years, we're going to expand your business because we know that it's going to explode. And at that point in time, then we can hire some help. And once you get some help, guess what? Then we're going to start having babies. Now, Joe and Mary's mom and dad hear that part. And they're going, what do we need to do to expedite the baby's part? Because we want to be grandparents. And so the sooner we can get started on that, if you need a little financial help, and maybe we can help you get started on some of that. Now, now as you're hearing this story, is there anything that sounds unreasonable to you? You go, no. They had plans, just like you and I had plans. And God interrupted their plans 
with the most complicated, untimely, inconvenient, seemingly unfair assignment that we could ever think of. And it starts out like this in Scripture, and an angel appears to this teenage girl, Mary. And the angel says, you're going to give birth to a son, and his name is Jesus, and he is going to save the people from their sins. And she tells this angel, hey, I'm a virgin. I don't know who you think Joe and I are, but we're playing it straight here. I mean, we have set up guardrails in our relationship so that we don't fall into sexual temptation because we're waiting until the second part of our wedding. I mean, we, this, is, this is all wrong to have this conversation with me. How is this even possible? And the angel says, this child will be conceived in you by the Holy Spirit. And Mary has this incredible spiritual mountaintop experience with an angel. And she looks at the angel and she says this, may it be to me as you have said. I'm willing to forego my plans for your plans. And in the middle of that, Mary begins to think, I've got to go talk to Joe. And so she rushes to him, and she is on a spiritual high. I mean, you have conversations with angels that begin to tell you they've got plans for your life. You're going to want to share that with people. And, and she comes, and she can imagine how excited he's going to be that she had a conversation, and she tells him, Joe, listen, I know that this is going to excite you as much as it did me, but Joe, you're not going to believe it. I had the most powerful moment with God, and I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Picture this young man. And Joe stands there, and not only is he not excited, he's not laughing. There's a million things that are going through his mind. And he stares at her with disbelief. And then, because he's a normal man, he turns around and he gets ticked off. And he's disappointed. And he's discouraged. And he can't believe that the woman that he knows and that he loves would do this to him. And his plans begin to change. Everything that he had hoped and planned for seems to be falling apart. And finally, when he gathers himself, because he's a peaceful man, he doesn't yell and he scream, he just turns around and he says to her, he goes, Mary, not only are you a liar, but you're a cheater. And you're crazy if you think that I am so stupid as to be manipulated by that story. I mean, imagine your fiancé comes and says, I am pregnant, and it's the Holy Spirit who did it. How are you going to feel about that? Mary, you are weird beyond measure, and I've never seen that side of you before. She's on a high, expecting him to be excited, and he is completely devastated. And it tells us in Matthew 1.18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man who did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, if you are paying attention to the story, you're going to notice that they were engaged, yet he wants to divorce her. 
And you look at this going, I'm, I'm not sure of the vocabulary of all of that. Well, let me tell you something, that in Hebrew marriages, there's two different stages to their marriage. The first stage of marriage is called the kudushin, and the second stage is the hupa. The kudushin is the legal binding engagement that says, I now belong to you and you now belong to me. In fact, that engagement was such a tight process that it was a little legally binding agreement that in the event that the young man dies during this engagement, his fiance will forever be known as a widow. That's how strong that was. So technically they are married, but they're not yet living together. And so you can just imagine this. They're technically committed to one another, married. They are picking out colors for the wedding ceremony. And Mary is pregnant in a culture where you are now an outcast forever. And Joseph knows, hey, it's not my baby because I know you and I have not been intimate. And he's crushed and he's humiliated and he's disappointed beyond imagination. This is life-wrecking, life-altering disappointment. And you can just imagine their dilemma as he looks at her and believes her to be unfaithful. Now, in our modern world today, that would be as if the invitations have gone out and now you've got to call this whole thing off. Worse then that is the public humiliation. And he feels even worse than that, this personal betrayal. He trusted Mary. He loved her. He was ready to spend his life with her. And she cheated on him in, her, in his mind. Now what? Life is over for this righteous man as he sees it. All my plans have just been devastated. And then think about Mary, this young teenage girl who didn't do anything wrong, right? She didn't do anything wrong. In fact, she did everything right. She did exactly what God asked her to do. And now her fiancé, or technically her husband in marriage, is considering divorcing her because she has so shamed him. She's not even going to be allowed to participate in society like a normal woman for the rest of her life. Imagine what she is thinking. God, where are you? I said yes to you, and this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I planned. Why are you changing all my plans? She said, Joseph doesn't trust me anymore. He's gone from a man that smiled at me all the time to now he doesn't even like me, and now he wants to divorce me and wants nothing to do with me. God, I am disappointed in your plan. I am disappointed in you. And some of you here today are experiencing similar circumstances. You've been disappointed in different seasons of life this particular year. Maybe this year you had some big plans and you planned to travel and something happened and you couldn't do it and you're looking back going, this is not what I planned. Or maybe by now you plan to have somebody in your life and you're still alone and you're thinking, God, this wasn't my plan. Or maybe you're married and you plan to have a better marriage and you feel kind of beaten down emotionally because it's not what you had planned and it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like. And I'm guessing that in so many of your lives you're facing something that isn't what you had planned and you're crying out at the end of this year, God, I don't understand. Where are you in the middle of my disappointments? Where are you in the middle of my hurt? 
And I want you today from Scripture, I want to show you two simple truths, and this won't take very long, that I hope will help minister to you when you don't understand. And these truths, I pray the Holy Spirit will put in your heart as good news and bring you great joy during this Christmas season. The first one is this, and you can write it down. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. In fact, we are all great plan makers. I have a plan for what I think the rest of the day is going to look like. I have a plan for what I think the rest of the year is going to look like. And how many of you know that God changes things in an instant? In fact, it tells us in Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans that we have, but it's the Lord's purpose that, re- that prevails. I have plans. You have plans. Mary had plans. Joseph had plans. Many are the plans. Many are the plans of the people within this room, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I don't know about you, but I thank God that he has a purpose. I thank God that people's opinions can't stop the purpose of God in your life. I thank God that world events can't stop God's purpose in your life. I thank God that my disappointments and your disappointments can't stop God's purpose in our lives when we just keep saying yes to him, even though it may change the plans. So we look at this young couple, and the reality of this story is this. Mary and Joseph's plans are wrecked. They're disappointed. Now what? In the process of thought, it tells us this in Matthew 1.20. Speaking of Joseph, but after he had considered this, and by the way, that word considered is not a quick thought. This is something that he had molded in his mind. How many of you don't sleep at night when you've got something on your mind? And, and this is the image that's being given to us. I mean, he spent a lot of time thinking about this. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And the angel said to Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. One of the things I find fascinating about this account is that when the angel shows up to Mary at the beginning of it, he tells her, uh, this is what's going to happen to you. She says, may it be to me as you have said. And then the scripture says, and the angel left. If I'm Mary, I'm going, listen, can you just stick around a while? I need you to talk to Joseph. I know that man. I don't think he's going to fall for this one. And the angel left, left. Her plans are wrecked, and the angel leaves. Have any of you ever felt that God abandoned you? Because Mary knows what that feels like. You drop this bombshell and you go back home, and I have to live through this and explain it. But God has a purpose. And finally, after Joseph has heard all of this, and she tries to explain it, the angel shows up and speaks to him. And for Joseph, it's, it's, wait a minute, God. 
You're doing something in the middle of my disappointment? You're, you're still working in the middle of my pain? Is, is there a purpose in the middle of all of this that I don't understand that you are doing that I can't see? And our first thought is this. You don't have to understand the plan, but you always have to trust his purpose. You don't have to understand the plan, but you have to understand his purpose. Folks, this is why we live by faith and not by sight. That is a really easy statement to state. It is really difficult to live when our plans are crushed and God says, just trust the purpose. Just trust the purpose. And the second thing that we'll minister to you is this. Your disappointment with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. Your disappointment with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. There are times in your life, I promise, when you will find yourself disappointed and let down and wondering where God is. And your disappointment with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. And I'm going to, I, I want to speak not only to those in here, but those of you that may be home today and you are so discouraged that you couldn't even get dressed and come to church today because your plans look completely different from what's happening in your life. Do you know that there are millions of backslidden believers, people that have given their heart and life to the Lord and in the face of a change of plans said, if this is what God is like, I don't want anything to do with him because they didn't understand that their plans and, and the way that they had planned out their life might be different than what God wanted to do. And we've created this theology in God in our own mind that if he's a blessing God, it will all turn out painless. That's not scriptural. And there are preachers today that are proclaiming to you that if you use the name of Jesus right, that you'll be rich and you'll be healthy all the time. That's not scriptural. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. And we as believers in Jesus Christ, if you are ready to turn and run from the first sign of trouble, you may very well miss the fact that God's purpose in your life is never fulfilled because you never let him finish it. Because you were disappointed with his plan. Mary and Joseph were trying to figure things out. They're saying, what are we going to do? Joseph tells Mary, honey, I'm sorry. You do have to understand that it's a difficult story for me to believe. You, you understand that part, don't you, hon? But the angel came and visited me, and she goes, well, if he'd have just stayed with me, we'd have taken care of this days ago. But the angel visited me and told me that everything you said is true. You're right. It doesn't make our life any easier. It just makes it filled with purpose. And so they begin to try to figure things out together, and just as they're putting this back together and restoring a relationship that had been bruised and damaged, then Caesar Augustus makes a stupid decree. It's always the government that gets in the way. I, I better be careful and stay to my notes. I, there's some really nice-looking rabbit trails that I'm just going to leave alone. How many of you believe and how many of you have experienced 
just when you get through one disappointment and you start to come out the other end that sometimes things pile up. If you've not experienced that, you'll get older. And so here, just as they're putting things back together, a decree is made, and Joseph, you've got to take her because she is your legal wife, and you have to make a long journey to your hometown where there's going to be a census, and they're going to take your money because you have to pay taxes, and this is incredibly inconvenient beyond measure. And, and we are at the season now where we get these wonderful, beautiful Christmas cards with Mary sitting on a donkey and Joseph leading it, and there's moonlight. Let me tell you something. They were not walking on a donkey at night. Not in the desert they weren't. That, that's fallacy. I mean, this was not a safe place to be. And for those that of you that think that this was just a nice little ride, let me give you some insight. It was a 90-mile trip with a, a heavily pregnant woman on a donkey, and it's grueling, and it could take days to two weeks. And remember what Joseph did. You have to remember what he did for, for a living. He was a carpenter. You only get paid when you're working. So not only is this an inconvenient trip, he now is not getting paid because he's, he's not in the office. He's not making anything. And so there's some mumbling about the government that's going on as he's making this journey with a, a pregnant wife on a donkey walking all this way. He's losing money when as a married couple getting ready to get married, they need money. And I'm certain that their mood was just delightful. I'll be straight with you, a long journey on a donkey's back, and she's at the very least having Brixton, every woman, I knew you get that, I, I, I set you up, I teed that thing, and you smacked it right out of the park. Braxton Hicks. I remember journey when Cindy was pregnant, and we didn't have a donkey. We had an air-conditioned car with comfortable seats, and the one thing that every man learns when his wife is pregnant, you do not pass a rest area. You stop at every one of them, and if they're too far apart, you make one. I cannot imagine what it was like for her going, Joseph, not again, hon, Joseph, it's only been 10 minutes, Joseph, okay, hon. And he's feeling this massive pressure. It's a long journey. She's having contractions. She's uncomfortable. She's freaking out, and they are together wondering, where is God in this plan? This isn't our plan. Don't know if you didn't know this or not, but they didn't have Hotels.com back then. And so there's no place for them to stay when they get there finally. And they find a barn. Now, as I, as I was writing this, Chip and Joanna Gaines were in the background of our house. And she actually was redoing a barn. I can assure you there was no shiplap in the barn in Bethlehem. And there were no candles that had a wonderful fragrance. There was no reveal in, in this particular barn. There was no Magnolia Network. 
This is a nasty hole in the wall with animals. She has a traumatic birth experience with no help in a cave from a husband who has no idea what to do. This doesn't sound like it's going according to plan. It is gross and it's dirty. And then on top of all of that, if it can't get anything worse than that, the first people that show up that want to hold the baby are shepherds <laughs> that have been living in the field. I am certain Mary said, you're not touching Jesus till you wash your hands and clean your nails. She is a new mother. And we look at all of this, and in Mary's mind, she's going, we had plans, God. We didn't even get a chance to finish the nursery before they find out the next layer, that Herod wants to kill their baby. Are you beginning to put into perspective the real Christmas story here? And the angel shows up and says, I'm, I'm redirecting your plans again. Just imagine this in your world today. You've got no income because you're not working. You just had your first baby. Everybody's whispering behind your back saying that you're shamed, and now you're literally on the, rung, on the run for your lives and for that of your child, all because you're doing what God asked you to do. I am certain that Mary's going, peace on earth? This is hell on earth. I don't see any peace in this, God. This isn't what I had planned. And if you take Mary from that moment and you fast forward all the way 33 years later, when she is kneeling down at the foot of a cross where her, her son who is stripped naked and beaten beyond recognition... And she's sitting there and she remembers a conversation 33 years ago with an angel who told her, just trust the purpose. This isn't my plan. Just trust the purpose. And she never disobeyed that we know. She watches her son who never sinned, who never wronged anybody, who never disobeyed God, stripped and humiliated, beat senselessly. He doesn't even look like a human being. His face is so figured. And she looks at her son, her flesh and blood. And while creation is mocking God in the flesh, Jesus, the creator, looks up and he says this, God, forgive them. They have no idea what they are doing. And then he says, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. And the mother of Jesus, who said yes to God, watches her son die, and she never understood the plan. She just trusted the purpose. And God saved the world. You don't have to understand a plan if you trust his purpose. Because in the middle of all of this, in our own lives, we can get to a place where suddenly all of our questions are, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Especially for those of you that are planners, it gets so easy to get frustrated with God. Because this is what I think blessing looks like. This is what I've been told blessing looks like. You're going, Pastor, this is the worst Christmas message you have ever preached. Come back for Christmas Eve. <laughs> Worship team, if you'd please come. Because this is where a lot of families and individuals are right now. 
There are some things that are really, really hard for us to get our minds around, some, some very personal things that we wish were different, and we are believing by faith that some of our greatest disappointments and some of our greatest change of plans might have a divine element to it where there's, there's something that he is fulfilling a purpose through us. And I just want to be really, really clear with the theology today. Being in a relationship with Jesus Christ means that we live like no others. It means that we are citizens of another kingdom. This is not as good as it gets. But we live in this life, in every circumstance, by saying yes to God, understanding that my plans and His purpose might look differently. And there are moments and times I tell God how disappointed I am in Him because He's big enough to know that He already knows my thoughts. I might as well verbalize them. And He never once has said to me, well, that's idiotic. He just simply says, can you trust my purpose when my plans look different than yours? And today, wherever you are, Whatever's going on in your life, whatever disappointments you may have, if you have said yes to the Lord, it might be that you're living smack dab in the middle of His will, and you're going, that doesn't make sense to me because I thought His will was blessing and prosperity and health and goodness and peace. It wasn't for Mary and Joseph, and they were in the middle of His will because His purpose was to bless the world. So, Lord, as we face this Christmas today, I don't know what plans you may have had that have fallen through your fingers. But this Christmas, I ask that we as a body of believers, both here and online, could we simply say to the Lord, when I don't know the plan, I'll just trust your purpose because your heart is trustworthy. 